Deuteronomy 31, verse 30. And Moses recited the words of this song from beginning to end in the hearing of the whole assembly of Israel. Now, this is a song. They finished the journey. Remember, they, they didn't have the faith to go into the promised land. They had believed the report of the other ten spies and not the report of the two when they'd come first time to the promised land. And so now, here we are, right when Israel, 40 years later, after taking a really long walk in the desert, just doing a great big circle, um, 40 years later, that, that generation has passed. And now they sit on the cusp of entering the promised land, right before they're going to enter the promised land. And Moses has this song because he wants the people to remember the faithfulness of God. Because he's not going to go into the promised land. Moses doesn't get to go to the promised land. That was a result of his decisions. And so he will not have that blessing. And yet... You know, for all intents and purposes, has led two and a half, three million people for 40 years. Mm. Um, led them out of slavery. Seeing God do miraculous things. Still, he finds himself looking. But he knows and wants to make sure that the congregation, that the people know the faithfulness of God. That no matter what comes up, no matter how bad things seem, God's doing something. Now, the irony of this message is, um, I've had this one done for about two weeks now. Two and a half, maybe. And um, the, it's the purpose in problems. Okay, because there is a purpose in problems. Sunday night, 10.30, on the Bible College campus, a hot water pipe broke. That hot water pipe existed above my library. Oh, oh man. My library, as it stood Sunday morning, had about 700, 750 books in it. As it stands now, it has been reduced by four bookcases, 311 books, possibly a few more that will end up joining that because they're still expanding. Um, you know, Now, for those of you that were here last Sunday, you were here with Pastor Wise, and he preached the installation service, and I went home, this happened, um, Monday morning I'm standing in my office with most of the ceiling, you know, on the one wall is gone because, you know, there was so much water that it, it literally turned those drop down ceilings, it just pulverized them. Yeah. There was so much water. It honestly looked like somebody had thrown like a grenade or something off on these things. Mm. Mm. Inch and a half brass pipe. Hot water. Mm. Boiling hot water. Mm. Looked like somebody take a, had taken a razor blade to it. You, of course they didn't because you can't get it. It's way up in the wall. Mm. Unless, you know, there's creatures that run around with razor blades. But <laughs> amazingly, I walk into my office and I went, wow, this is really something. God's really doing something. You know, and that is not a normal reaction. Normally, I'm the guy going, how can James say, consider it pure joy when you face trials and temptations of every kind? You know, because 
frankly, I don't find those things very joyous when you have a trial or a temptation. But in this instance, I walk in and I'm like, wow, God, you're really doing something because this never would have happened if you weren't doing something. You know, it's only when God's doing something that the other things tend to start happening. And so I went, wow, this is, this is really something. And then, you know, you figure it out, and it's about, right now it stands at about $7,000 worth of books. But the other good side is, I don't have to move $7,000 worth of heavy books. <laughs> you know, there were books, Monday night, I was sitting, you know, both my grandfathers have now gone on, and their books are what were left. And so, you know, the whole history section from the one grandfather, it just doesn't exist. The uh, some books from my uh, my grandfather that passed in June. Some ministry books. They're gone now too. And I went well. You know, if nothing else, at least this is helping me not to be too attached to things. Okay. You know. Yeah. But the, it is. It's God's doing stuff. Mm. For those of you that are here Wednesday night, God was doing something in the prayer meeting. You know, God's just doing stuff. That's good. And so if these other things happen, there is a purpose to it. And that's what Moses has here. You know, there's purpose in problems. There really is, because God can use everything. Amen. You know, he's not hindered by any of this. Listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Hear, you earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock and his works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. This is from the guy who's not going to get to see the promised land. Yes. This is the guy who's being held out from the promised land, who's declaring the faithfulness and the greatness of God. Then he goes on, they are corrupt and not his children. To their shame they are a warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? He's talking about the faithlessness and the foolishness of the, of the people of God at this moment. And the things that have gone on. Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you. Your elders and they will explain to you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him. In a barren and howling waste, he shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, the spread, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. The Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the heights of the land and fed him with the fruit of the fields. He nourished him with honey from the rock and with oil from the flinty crag. He goes back over God's faithfulness, how God has led, and he compares it to an eagle, and I like eagles. You know, you'll notice this. I, I tend to gravitate to the eagle things. Um, experts say that when the time has come for a young eagle to learn to fly, 
The parent bird at first tries to coax the youngster into flight. If this method fails, the mother then resorts to what seems like much harsher treatment. The mother bird will force her offspring out of the nest and into the air. And eagles' nests tend to be very high. They don't really put them low. You know, this isn't, you know, like a little two-foot fall. We're talking lots of feet. By this discipline of disturbance, she accomplishes her desire and design, the first flight of the eaglet. Now Moses, laying a hold of this picture, shows how God acted towards his people. When they were settled down in Egypt, God stirred their nest and threw persecution until they were ready to leave for the promised land. There is this purpose in problems that God uses. Why do we end up with problems? What and how can they be used for divine purposes? As an eagle stirs up its nest, why does God stir up ours? Ultimately, God uses this that we might fly to move on to the next thing. Dare I say to grow? He uses it. Moses is teaching us about this principle. As an eagle, so the Lord. Eagle's nests are really cool. The construction of them, it's the floor actually has sharp thorns in it. This is then covered with down. The top layer is nice and soft. Think of it like the pillow top of a mattress. Okay, but just underneath the pillow top are these thorns. Young eagles are comfortable as they squat there waiting for their mother to bring them food. But as time comes when the mother will no longer feed them, and as the eagles get a little bit bigger, a little bit older, they start to settle down more, they start to get a little uncomfortable. When the time comes, the mother will remove <coughs> the soft down. Her young will be so uncomfortable because, of course, the thorns are pricking them. They'll move around until they fall over the side of the nest. As the experience of falling overwhelms them, they literally get into a flap and start to move their wings. You know, much like you'd expect. Um, this is the purpose behind the mother's harsh treatment. Okay? It's, it's to get them out, to move them on to the next thing. Moses is showing us that in the same way the Lord stirs up our nest for a purpose. It's to accomplish His will. It's to see us grow. You notice with the church that anytime persecution comes to the church, the church grows. It's, in Acts that happened. You know, persecution came with the martyrdom of Stephen, and the church grew huge because it forced a diaspora where people were sent out, and the church grew. We get so caught up and think, oh, well, you know, God, these things are just happening. No, they're happening for a reason. There's stuff that we can learn out of them. Sometimes that's a tough way to go and go, okay, what do I need to learn in the midst of this? Because really, our desire is to grab our blanket and go over and sit in the corner, maybe suck our thumb, and go, woe is me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, four bookcases. I have six bookcases in the office. <laughs> Sat there on Friday. I'm looking at what I can now see as a whole wall. I was going, wow, okay. You know, when things happen, it forces us to move on. It forces us to believe God. It forces us to grow in our relationship. There's a curious service that's held in an old church in the city of London. On October 16th, every year is preached in St. Catherine Church on Leadenhall Street, what is called the Lion Sermon. It's been preached every year in that same church for the last 250 years. 
If you want to be present and would go a little earlier than the hour, you would hear the most lovely chimes of the bells, a chime beginning in the sun of my soul, abide with me, the happy land and the like. Then there's a service made very short, then the event of the evening, the sermon, and the sermon's called the Lion Sermon. The story was once, there was once in a city a very pious man named Sir John Gare. At one time he was Lord Mayor of London. Sir John happened to be in Asia in one period of his life, and when his caravan was traveling through a desert place, he found himself face to face alone with a lion. Everybody of his company who could have helped him had gone forward. Sir John knew that only God could deliver him. He thought of Daniel in the den of lions. He perhaps thought of Paul, who at one time expected to meet an emperor who was as cruel as a lion. And he fell on his knees, therefore before the beast, shut his eyes, and cried to, cried to God to shut the mouth of the lion. When he had finished his prayer and opened his eyes, the lion was nowhere to be seen. So when he came back to London, he set aside a sum of money to be given away in gifts to the poor people every October 15th, and to secure that a sermon should be preached to all the generations to tell how God had heard his prayer and delivered him from the mouth of the lion. you notice he wanted it told to the generations, looking back at the faithfulness of God. Moses, in the same way, is pointing back that no matter what you face, no matter how hard it seems, God's there. And God can meet the need. You know, God is not infirm. He's not dead. He is there, active, working in our lives, sometimes we don't necessarily recognize it, but no matter what it is, we don't face it alone. That's the most amazing thing. You're never alone. Thank you. I was talking about that with Maria this week on the way to school because she was talking about, you know, sometimes in the dark she's afraid. And so I said to her, well, you know, God's right there with you. We're never alone. At times it can really seem like we're alone, but we're not. That God's right there with us. And that no matter what we're facing, we don't face it alone. But sometimes in that dark place, it can be difficult. And so we have to look back and go, okay, God, I need to recount your faithfulness. I need to remember your blessings. I need to remember how you've met me so that I can hold on to meet the next need. What resources do we have? Well, we have knowledge of the plan of God. God's working towards a plan. That plan is very simple. It's to bring us closer to himself. Mm -hmm. There you go. You know the plan of God. The plan of God is all wrapped up in the fellowship in the Garden of Eden before mm -hmm. sin. It's all about bringing us closer to himself. That's what it's all about. So no matter what, we know that he's going to work towards that end. Recall that it's God himself who asks his people Israel to remember, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Exodus 19. They've literally just come from slavery. They've seen the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke. Okay, they saw God take out the entire Egyptian army, which was unbelievably strong. And God just took care of it like that. He's seen the deliverance. Not only that, they're walking with their pockets full because when God delivered them from Egypt, the Egyptians paid the Israelites to leave. They said, here, here's gold, here's silver, here's jewels, just leave. They left. So they're, they have the financial resources. They've seen the protection of God. But so quickly, we hit things and we go, oh man, oh God. 
Oh, this happened. I can't believe it. What are you doing? Where are you, God? Right there. Right there. He's working to bring us closer to himself. Amen. So, but the enemy wants us to go, oh, no, you're all alone. Oh, you're the only one that's going through it. Oh, look at that. Oh, you should just give up. What was the great advice given to Job? Why don't you curse God and die? Right. Really? <laughs> Man, at that point, the only thing he has is his relationship with the Lord because those friends weren't even very much help. Amen. You know? We have the assurance of God's presence. Now, we go back to that eaglet, thinking about that little baby eagle. Falling. Here I am, pushed out of my nest. I've never used my wings before. I panic. I'm falling through the air. Wait a second. All my security's gone. I want my security. Oh, that I could get back into the nest. You know, hey, we've all at some point in our lives said, man, I wish I could go back to being a little kid. Yeah. You know, life was much easier when I didn't know everything that I have to know now. Right. You know, that, that innocence, the three, four-year-old that has no idea of anything else going on. I understand that. Well, we get that way as Christians, too. We're like, oh, man, Really? Oh, I don't know. Man, I long for security. That's normal. But we need to hear the other sound. The fluttering of the wings. Because that mother eagle is going right down below that little eaglet. And she's putting her wings out. So that he lands on her back. Okay? So that he is taken care of. You're never without the cushion of the Lord. But sometimes we think that we're trapezius artists working without a net. No, we're not working without a net. God's there. Sometimes it's hard to recognize it. You know, we, we go to the, foots of the footprints all the time. You know, well, there was a, one set of footprints there during all the tough times of my life. Where were you, Lord? It was there that I carried you. He's willing to carry us. He desires that we hand over those things to him. Yeah. That, that is what he wants. Okay, because we're not built to carry all this. Amen. We're built to trust the Lord. Amen. Okay, that's what it's about. But it's not easy. And we can get into spiritual panic. Okay? Very, first time. First time I had a, a service where the Spirit of God was really moving. And I was the guy in charge. I sat there and went, really God? You know, there's, there's all sorts of things happening. There's words coming out. There's people giving out tongues of interpretation and everything else. And I'm going, ho, oh, ho, wait. Wait, God. Can we have one or, one or the other or something else? Next thing I know, you know, we're having people come up to the altar. People getting prayed for. People getting healed. And the whole time I'm going, ah. You know, spiritual panic. <laughs> Had a lot of spiritual panic at that moment. I'm kind of looking out the back door going, I wish anybody else could be here right now that you know, at least knows. I, I've experienced it. It's normal. It's, we just don't have to give in to it. You don't have to have the anxiety attack going, <gasps> you can sit back and go, okay, God's going to be God. And that no matter what is happening, no matter how bad it seems, He can work it out for good. He can. Once we give it to Him. Now, that's the tough one. Really tough. I like to know that I'm able to take care of my family. I do. You know, I'm a guy. Guys are kind of hardwired that way. We want to make sure that we're able to do it and that no matter what, we're going to be able to put things together. 
You know, that's really, really important. I am amazed at how many times I end up in situations where I do not have the required skill set. You know, basically, if it's a physical challenge, I'm pretty much going to be able to do it. If it's getting something off the high shelf, I'm your guy. I really am. If it's algebra, I'm no longer your guy. I could sit and look at the algebra for a really, really long time. And I took a statistics course last year as part of the degree that I was working on. I actually had to find a guy in a Bible class that I was teaching to tutor me. That was not an easy thing to do. It is not easy to go to a 21-year-old and say, excuse me, um, yeah, I, you put your hand up when I asked if anybody had taken a college, college math, um, in particular statistics, would you mind just staying afterwards? I need you to tutor me just a little. Okay, I'm not hardwired to ask for help. Okay, it's, hey, I'm the first one, it's a pride thing. I like to think that somehow I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah. And so I will find that in my life that there will be times that God will just keep pushing along the road. Okay, yeah. Okay. well, yeah, you think you got this? Fine. How do you do with this? Oh, how do you do with this? I learned that over the last month. The one thing I don't want to do, I don't want to talk about myself. You know, I really don't. Scripture, I like. Me? I'd rather talk about any of you. You know, I'd rather hear your life story. It's far more interesting to me. I've lived this one. You know, I don't like the attention. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because where am I? Standing up front. <laughs> My seat of preference is back there. You know, about three seats behind where Bob's sitting. You know, as far back as I can, as far out of the limelight. God says, okay. Going to need to rely on me a little bit more. Okay, well, let's see. Oh, there you go. Oh, let's, oh, oh, you, oh, you doing okay? Here you go. Oh, look at that. You managed to get out of the nest. Look, you, you flapped one wing. Whoo, let's throw some wind in. <laughs> but God's faithful. Amen. In my life, I've seen God be faithful. Do I understand everything that's going on? No. Can I tell you that God's going to be doing great things here in this church? Yes. Can I tell you that God's going to be doing great things in this community? Yes. Can I tell you that most likely it is going to involve a lot of the supernatural? Yes. Why? Because that's the thing that I would rather see somebody else around. It just is. But God is not limited by what I'm comfortable with. Or what you're comfortable with. God desires to move amongst his people. He desires people to be back in relationship with him. We are in such a needy area. There is such a hunger. I am amazed at the hunger within people for the Lord. And they don't even know it. They're hungering after spiritual things. Okay, vampires are not that cool. But you read the you read the best the the, the top selling things. It's all to do with stupid vampires. Really, you know what vampires are? Supernatural. Okay, seances and um, tarot cards and all that foolishness. Hey, you know what? Hey, people do go. And you know what? The Bible says it happens too because, oh look, Saul went off and consulted one. Okay? But that stuff's not good. Okay? That's, 
to borrow from the um, Star Wars trilogy, the Star Wars series, that's the dark side. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's going and using the dark side. I want to be at the place, now this is scary, but I want to be at the place where Elisha was with his servant, and a servant says, man, well, we're really in trouble. Look at this army. And he says, no, no, you can't see the army that's here with us. And he prays for him, and suddenly he sees the host of heaven around. Okay, that's where we're living. We're living with the host of heaven around us. We just don't realize what God's doing. And we haven't seen it, but we're going to. You know why? Just because God's awesome. He is an awesome God. Thank you, man. It is exciting. Now, I know, you came in today and you're going, oh man, I got through the slush and everything else. I was totally thrilled when you came in. Greatest group of people, nicest group of people. Okay? For one thing, you love each other and you want to see God. You just want to see Him. It's all about Him. And we don't have to have any special qualifications other than that desire. That's really... We have a guarantee of God's power. Back to our little falling eagle on his descent and seeming faith. The mother eagle has swooped down. She hovers right under, catches him. You know what that is? It's sustaining power. As an eagle spreading out its wings and taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led them, which is what we have here in this passage. That no matter what it is, we have the sustaining power of God. You know, one of, one of the things that caught me was last week after we were having a quick discussion and I found out about the missions budget. And that's, that concerns me. Okay. Now, really what should concern me is I have to find a job of some kind, you know, that's going to be able to work. And I know God can do all that. In fact, I have no problem with that. But I'm really concerned that we not have our missionaries stuck without funds. Because I don't want to see them get shorted. Okay? Because, hey, I know. It may seem like there's a recession in unemployment, but, I'm, but I've seen God do so much. I know He can do it. Thank you, Lord. That no matter what, God's faithful. Solomon Ginsburg a Polish Jew became an evangelist across both Europe and South America. In 1911, needing rest, he decided to head to America on furlough. His route took him to Lisbon, where he planned to cross the Bay of Biscay to London, and then on to the States. Arriving in Lisbon, Ginsburg found the bulletin boards plastered with weather telegrams warning of terrific storms raging on the Bay of Biscay. It was dangerous sailing, and he was advised to delay his trip by a week. His ticket allowed him to do that, and he prayed about it earnestly. But as he prayed, he turned to his prayer calendar and found the text for that day was Deuteronomy 2.7. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have lacked nothing. The Lord seemed to assure him that his long worldwide travels were under divine protection. Ginsburg boarded the ship at once, crossed without incident, and caught the Majestic in London. His, transit, his transatlantic voyage was smooth and restful. Only after arriving in the United States did Solomon learn that if he delayed his trip in Lisbon, he would have arrived in London just in time to board the Titanic. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So many times we get caught up with whatever happened and don't realize this, something else could have been far worse. We get caught up in the situation and we look at it and we go, wow, it's stormy. Hey, I had that this morning. I had to get a hold of um, Brother Hamilton this morning to ask him what the weather was doing. Because at 6.30, I was watching two different news stations and listening to WBZ, and I was hearing that people were spun out all over the highways. And the BZ traffic person said, there's so many people spun out from 495 to 84 that we can't even count them right now. And so I'm sitting there, I'm looking out my window, and I'm going, but there's no snow here. <laughs> How can this be? And so I contacted Brother Hamilton, and he says, no, there's no snow here either. It was just in that one spot. But if I looked at it, and boy, the way they do the news, you'd figure that we were having a blizzard again. Because it's, oh, oh, it's so treacherous, oh, it's so bad. And I'm going, I drove down through it, and I'm going, really? Okay, yeah, I admittedly had to slow down to 40. Okay, there's, the conditions did not, you know, 65, I probably would have been able to find a few trees. But 40 is quite passable. Yeah. If I believed the situation and just looked at the circumstances, we wouldn't have gone anywhere. Mm. We would have still been sitting at home going, man, that's a really bad storm. It made me think about it in our lives. How many times do we encounter something hard and go, okay, that's it. Nope, this is hard. Yeah. No more. Right. Instead of saying, okay, we have God's sustaining power to take us through. But no matter what it is, He's there with us. Amen. Moses teaches the result of the preparation of disruption is higher life. He made him ride in the heights of the earth that he may eat the produce of the fields. Moses has a great life lesson here. As the eagle, so the Lord. He stirs up our complacent lives, whether through trials, persecutions, struggles, but he does not let us fall. He's always watching us to accomplish his will, to teach us, to conform us into his image, and ultimately, to bless us beyond all imagination. And I came across this story about D.L. Modi. After a year of work in 1892, he decided to return to his family. About three days into his voyage, the ship ground a halt with a broken shaft, and before long it began to take on water. No one was sure whether the vessel would sink or not, and there were no known rescue ships in the area. After two days of anxiety, Modi asked permission to hold a meeting and nearly every passenger attended. He opened to Psalm 91. Holding a pillar to steady himself, he read, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Moody later, later wrote, It was the darkest hour of my life, but relief came in prayer. God heard me cry and enabled me to say from the depth of my soul, Thy will be done. I went to bed and fell asleep almost immediately. And that Psalm 91 became a vibrant new scripture to Moody. And he found that the safest place was there, dwelling in the presence of the Lord. And that's really what it all comes down to, is that no matter what, no matter what's going on, you can run into the arms of the Savior. You can go and lay your head on His shoulder and rest in the fact that though this seem impossible, with God, all things are possible. Amen. That is awesome. And that is what it's about, serving the Lord. So, if you'd stand, we're, we'll close in prayer. And... <clears throat>
Professor Saxon Fellowship. <laughs> I just want to make sure everybody's still able to stand after the message. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, right now we just we lay our struggles, our fears, our concerns, our burdens, all at your feet. Lord, help us to rest on wings as eagles. Help us to rest in your shadow, knowing that no matter what, how bad it seems, that though there may be fire and storm and wind, that, Lord, we're completely safe in your presence. Lord, right now I just pray that anything that's holding people back from more of you, that it would just be stripped away in the name of Jesus. That, Father, right now any spiritual bondage, any hindrance, all of those things that in the name of Jesus they would go. Yes, Lord. Father, we ask that you would continue to draw us closer to you. Thank you. Father, we desire to have more of you and to become more like you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. But we are frail. Lord, we need your help. Speak to us, Lord, as, as the shepherd. Help us to know your voice and where you're leading and what you're guiding us to. Father, thank you for each one here. I pray your blessing upon them. May your favor rest upon them and may they have favor with man this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.